Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. While the show is coming back from leave, it's got a lot of intriguing little knickknacks it's picked up from around the galaxy. Maybe a transporter effect snow globe? Ooh. Its syndrilical plastic suitcase is festooned with stamps from all the spaceports it's been through, and it needs to see the doctor to get a cream for that nasty burn it got on that planet with the two suns. But it's time to get back to work. We've been off the air, essentially, since Star Trek Discovery took a bow on November 12th of last year. But Discovery is back this Sunday, January 7th, and so are we, with our live shows recapping everything we just saw on that night's Discovery episode. Star Trek Discoverage returns this Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, and we hope you'll join me and my co-host Ella Pearson as she and I recap the adventures of the USS Discovery. A new year has dawned, and with it, a new season of Enterprising Individuals. Enterprising Individuals Season 3 begins in February after Star Trek Discovery ends, and it's a whole new year of shows that go into excruciating detail about the series, characters, and stories of the Star Trek universe. This year, we've got even more shows covering some of your favorite episodes of each of the broadcast Star Trek series, and the guests are even bigger. Not like Mr. Hom, big, but you know, famous and talented folks. And I'll let you know who will be coming aboard a little later in the show. But first, we should take a look at the news updates we may have missed when we are on leave. And to that end, let's get underway. Well, the Trek sphere hasn't stayed quiet just because we were. And there's a great deal of news that's coming out of the world of both Trek TV and film. And what a time to go on vacation because, oh boy, quite a bit happened over the holidays. As I'm sure you've heard by now, the name Quentin Tarantino has come up in Trek circles as a possible director for an R-rated Trek film. Tarantino was interviewed on the Nerdist podcast in 2015 and made a few comments, which I guess are just being discovered now for for some reason. But anyway, uh, he was describing his love for the old show and for Captain Kirk, and he indicated that he'd be amenable to possibly directing a Trek feature if the time was right. And apparently, now is that time, as it's all but confirmed that he will consult on and possibly even direct an R-rated feature for Paramount in the Trek universe. Mark L. Smith, a.k.a. the writer of The Revenant and the writer of Overlords, an upcoming World War II thriller from J.J. Abrams' production company Bad Robot, has signed on to write the film, which is weird, because Quentin writes all his own films. But, number one... Sir? uh, I mean, A, this isn't his film, it's a franchise... And this makes me wonder if all that talk about him possibly directing a Bond film for Sony back in the day, remember that, got him thinking that punching a time clock for a studio might not be too bad, and B... I am before. All right, that was a stretch. Uh, Tarantino's scripting is... It's unique. I'm sure Paramount would be interested in a little, you know, whimsy and inane dialogue, but the grittier elements of QT's films probably won't fit into the Star Trek universe, R rating or no. Less of this. Ferengi. People. Move! And I'll execute every. Mugato fighting. Last one of you! And more of this. I'll have the Melvin Belly burger, bloody, and a five credit shake. You want that shake Picard and Vash or Cisco and Cassidy? 
make it half and half. Go Kirk and Ahura. No one knows what Tarantino's Trek movie will be about, but he mentioned City on the Edge of Forever and Yesterday's Enterprise in that Nerdist interview. Both episodes, by the way, have been covered on this show. Check our archives. So time travel seems to be on his mind. Oh, great. But that may dovetail well with reports that early plans for Star Trek IV originally included Kirk meeting his father, George Kirk, played by Chris Hemsworth, through time travel. Of course, Hemsworth might be a little wrapped up in playing Thor, but Tarantino is no stranger to having Marvel characters in his films. Oh yeah, with that uh, invisible woman and uh, flame on. Golly. Lay him down and smack him yak him indeed. Word that a famous director might be involved in a Trek film has brought some Trek actors sniffing around to see if their chairs are still available, including John Cho and Patrick Stewart, who has said, I won't, I won't do the voice, <laughs> quote, one of my dreams is to work with Tarantino, end quote, which I'm actually surprised hasn't happened yet with Stewart having played a few heavies on film recently. It seems like a good fit. Uh, Stewart went on to say, quote, I admire his work so much. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. So if he's going to direct something to do with Star Trek and there was the possibility of dear old John Luke showing up again and doing that for Mr. Tarantino, I would embrace it, end quote. And I've heard Sir Patrick is working on something himself. Writing, see, that's the key. Mm. I'm writing myself at the moment. No word on when we can expect the first film by Quentin Tarantino. That's not a Quentin Tarantino film, but summer 2020 is the current buzz. We want to take this time to wish a very happy belated birthday to Nichelle Nichols, Star Trek's Uhura, Nichelle turned 85 on December 28th of last year, and she is still beautiful and vibrant and a big part of the Trek universe. In an interview with the L.A. Times, Nichelle talked about Star Trek Discovery and the future of Trek, saying, quote, I think Star Trek is always going to be a window into what lies ahead of us, and I'm happy to see another generation of actors and actresses leading the charge, end quote. Absolutely, Nichelle, although... Have your agent call the Discovery people, because I, for one, would love to see Uhura's mom or grandma make an appearance on a future show. Uhura Star Trek co-star William Shatner has been popping up in the news all over the place, from his successful NBC show, Better Late Than Never, to fan videos wishing well to the departing Doctor Who actor Peter Capaldi. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a crossover I'd like to see. And in honor of Mr. Shatner's accomplishments, he has been appointed to the Order of Canada, one of the highest civilian honors of his home country. Appointees are chosen for their accomplishments in their fields and in their contributions to Canadian and Indigenous culture. Previous appointees include Lord Michaels, producer of Saturday Night Live, Fred Sasakamus, the first Indigenous NHL player, and Pierce Handling, the CEO of the Toronto International Film Festival. Shatner is being honored for his work in entertainment, but also for his charitable work, including his contributions to Habitat for Humanity and his work with the Hollywood charity Horse Show, which raises funds for children's charities. Shatner has been honored by Canada in the past, receiving a Governor General's Performing Arts Award for Lifetime Achievement and a star on Canada's Walk of Fame. And if the stars aren't maple leaves, I mean, come on. So he's a generous man, but not on Twitter as one current Star Trek captain, Jason Isaacs, found out the hard way. That's right. It's time for Isaacs Antics. Our regular segment where we chronicle the virile exploits of living shoulder chip Jason Isaacs. If Jason Isaacs were a milkshake, he'd be one part James Bond, one part soccer fan, Three fingers of gin and a dash of gunpowder served in a cracked pint glass. 
but it would be a milkshake that William Shatner would have none of. The original captain blocked the Trek's newest one on Twitter late last year. And consider, for Jason, that's like 95% of how he communicates. That's a big deal. Shatner did not reveal why he had blocked Isaacs, but it's speculated that it was related to an interview Isaacs gave where he commented that he wouldn't want the character of Kirk to appear on Discovery, saying, and I am doing this one, If you have stunt celebrity cameo casting, it completely pulls them out of it. They feel like they're watching a Saturday Night Live sketch. Ooh, thanks for protecting us from that, Jace. He goes on to say, Kirk doesn't come along for ten years, and when we meet him, he's twenty-six, so it would be a weird timeline if they met. So I just hope people believe in our stories, are engaged with them, and I'm happy to meet Will Shatner in real life in a restaurant. Where a gun is taped to the tank of the toilet in the bathroom, I assume. Shortly after that, Isaacs found himself blocked by the Order of Canada appointee on Twitter. Isaacs tweeted, this is tough, I've been blocked by at William Shatner, the unkindest cut of all. In what way have I broken the prime directive, Captain? Was it the end of sentence minor key uptick? The quizzical eyebrow and blue eyeliner? The just-too-tight uniform? Forgive me my sins. It's an homage, I swear. (laughs) Can you add insult to the injury someone else has given you? That's amazing. That's like the triple axle of online communication. Well, the situation has cooled somewhat as the mercury has fallen, but it hasn't been a smooth journey. A Twitter fan asked Shatner if he'd be turning on the lights at the Fraudsham Christmas Festival this year, to which Shatner replied, Should do? Yeah, why not? No, but I'd suggest Jason Isaacs. He can pop around after Tesco's opening ribbon cutting ceremony. Careful, Bill. His pattern may indicate two-dimensional thinking, but he can still go full Genesis on you. Well, the whole thing eventually blew over with Shatner announcing that he had unblocked Isaacs on Twitter, referring to him as, quote, he who must not be named BFF. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Good one. Okay. Isaacs responded with a tweet of his own. To be unblocked by at William Shatner, I had to marry off a ginger royal, fire an intercontinental missile at Japan, and get Trump not to insult heroic Native American cold talkers in front of an offensive painting of their worst enemy that he put there. Hashtag two out of three is not bad. Which isn't vengeful so much as confusing. Like I get, yeah, Trump, political stuff. That's all in character. But it's like he got so mad that he threw up on himself and everybody's looking at each other really awkwardly. We're all lowering our broken pool cues. No, you know what it's like? And I swear I was not going for a hat trick on milkshake references, but it's like this story that Pendulette tells, stick with me, about how he was hitchhiking in the early 70s, and he was a total, total hippie dude then, and he, he went to a diner, he was at the counter, and there were a bunch of biker dudes in the diner, and he thought, oh yeah, they're, they're going to mess with me, for sure. And sure enough, the biker guys came over to start messing with him, and Penn just takes the milkshake he was drinking, and he pours it all over his head, and he's like, what's going on? And his would-be ass kickers are like, this is weird, We should go. I mean, I was cool having that guy's blood all over me, but I'm lactose intolerant. So yeah, it's like that. Uh, Jason Isaacs is a human double down. He is the real life insanity wolf. And I'm glad they've made up because this family could not have survived a rift between them. I wanted to mention fast, real fast, in fact, this week, that on January 5th, the cast and creators of the Star Trek Experience, remember that? The Star Trek-themed bar that was at the Hilton in Vegas, which closed a a little while ago. It closed in 2008. 
but it was there for 10 years. It started uh, at the Las Vegas Hilton in 1998. And we talked about all this with Dave Rossi, who was a producer with Rick Berman Productions and worked with the Star Trek experience. Well, the cast and creators will be getting together for a 20th anniversary celebration at the Millennium Fandom Bar in Vegas. That's on the north end of the Strip, I believe, in Vegas. Look at me like I know anything about Vegas. Uh, I never got to go to to, uh, the Experience or to Quarks, the bar in Experience, sadly. And it doesn't look like I'm going to make this one either. But it sounds like a great time. And the Millennium Fandom Bar, which is a bar for, you guessed it, fandom of Star Trek, Star Wars, all that good stuff. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, The public is invited to go to the meetup, which runs from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. And then I'm sure moves down the Strip at 2.01 a.m. Uh, And also there will be items from the attraction displayed throughout the bar. So if you're in Vegas or you want to drive down from the L.A. area on the 5th, you should check that out. It sounds like fun. And if you see Dave Rossi there, tell him hi from the Enterprising Individuals guy. Well, we're talking birthdays, and we should wish a happy birthday, a 25th birthday, to Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The show premiered 25 years ago now in 1993. Wow, it seems like yesterday, but time, as we know, is not linear. There's a great article at Variety.com that I'll put in the show notes, and it's got a few quotes from the cast and the crew of the series and some cute pictures, and it references the still-to-come DS9 documentary, What We Left Behind, which is slated now to come out the summer of this year. It's good news. Uh, We had some weird news um, recently at the end of last year in that uh, Adam Nimoy, who had come on to direct, um, has stepped away from the directing position. Uh, and I don't know. I, mean, I don't think there's anything behind it. He's just saying it, it looks good. You know, they don't really need me. Uh, he's, he's left it in um, Iris Stephen Beer and um, producer David Zappone's hands. And they've shepherded this from day one. So it looks like it's ready to go. Um, as you may or may not know, um, they raised over $600,000 on their crowdfunding campaign, which is amazing. It is over 400% of their original goal, which means that they can boost it from 60 minutes to 90 minutes. Um, they've added a score. Um, they've went back and interviewed even more people. They've remastered selected scenes. Um, so yeah, basically like it's late, but it's like it's late and you're expecting like one pizza and you're going to get like jumbo size 10 pizza order. And you're like, is this for my house? It's like, this is for your house, but you don't have to pay, even though people did pay through Indiegogo. doesn't matter. Anyway, if you're a DS9 fan and you're still hungry for some of Papa Cisco's aubergine stew, why not check out Station Identification? That's my one-man quest to watch Deep Space Nine from beginning to end and deliver commentary in my own style throughout. I recently covered the notorious episode, Move Along Home. And yeah, that's what they should have told the writers when they turned in that script. But nevertheless, I'll be going through the entire series from Emissary to What You Leave Behind. And all of those commentaries are available to Patreon subscribers. Just go to patreon.com forward slash E-I-S-T-P-O-D, where for as little as $1, you can become a part of our crew and get access to content like those DS9 recaps, our live episodes like our Wrath of Khan live show from last year, sneak peeks at what's coming up on the show, and even more. So check out patreon.com forward slash E-I-S-T-P-O-D. We work hard to bring you an entertaining and informative show every week. And if this was the 24th century where money didn't exist, we could just replicate a pizza Totally free. Doesn't cost you nothing. But this is the 21st century and everything, especially pizza, costs something, it seems. So if you enjoy the show and you want to help out, please check out our Patreon again at patreon.com forward slash EIST pod. Anything you can contribute would be appreciated, but help keep us flying. Thanks. Our top comment from last year on social media, not like the best comment of the year, just from the end of the year. It comes as both a comment and a correction from our editorial division. 
In booking guests for the show, I look at many different types of contributors. And as you can tell, if you listen to the show, I like to have Star Trek authors on because they usually have a lot of insight into the material. Some, however, are not solely Trek authors. And as such, if, say, their Trek novel is over 20 years old or they didn't enjoy their experiences with Trek, uh, they're probably not interested in being on a Trek podcast. Um, the amount of no's I've had for those reasons is very, very small. Um, single digits on one hand. And I've got one maybe in that department from David Gerald himself, who in response to David Mack telling him about the show, don't mind those loud thudding sounds as I drop a few names here and there. Gerald said he'd be open to being on the show, but he wanted to remind me that he's written one or two other things in the 50 years it's been since Triples came out. Message received. So anyway, I want to respect someone's time, and so I don't bother them if I can help it. And there's some people that I just sort of dismiss from consideration out of hand. One of those people was James Swallow, sci-fi author and screenwriter for Star Trek Voyager. I read in an interview with him in The Guardian that with the release of his new spy novel, Nomad, he'd, quote, moved on from sci-fi. And I thought, well, that's that. Then later, I read the announcement that he's set to author Fear Itself, the third new Star Trek Discovery novel after Mac's Desperate Hours and Dayton Ward's Drastic Measures. <sighs> I mean, if you can't trust the Guardian, then what? Onto the Daily Mail, I suppose. Anyway, I tweeted as a digital doe, quote, should I do me? Uh, I'll do me. Quote, that feeling, <laughs> okay. uh, quote, that feeling when 24 hours ago you decided to skip inviting J.M. Swallow on your Star Trek podcast because you read he moved on from science fiction. Dot, dot, dot. Then his Star Trek Discovery book is announced. Face palm. To which James himself replied, quote, Where did you read that? Totally wrong. I love sci-fi and intend to keep writing it, and I'd be happy to be on your podcast. Wow. What an amazing solution to a problem that I myself caused. So, uh, audience, look forward to a show with James Swallow in the future. I can't wait for that. James, for your top comment, you win, courtesy of me, a lifetime weekly subscription to The Sun. <sighs> British newspaper humor. Who's the insanity wolf now, Mr. Isaacs? Remember, listeners, you can see your own comments down in black and white and maybe have them read on the air. Go to facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or find us at EISTpod on Twitter or through our social media links on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and suggestions or to just say hello. We're waiting to receive your transmission. Somewhere back there, I mentioned Star Trek Discovery novels. I'm going to do it again. David Mack, who will be appearing on the show this year, so I can preemptively stop calling him Mack Attack. And Dayton Ward, who will hopefully be on the show this year, and James Swallow, have all written Star Trek Discovery novels, which serve as prequels to the CBS All Access series. And they're all fine pieces of writing. They're very exciting. I will include links to Amazon where you can purchase them if you haven't already. And if you use those links at no cost to you or to those fine gentlemen, the USS Enterprising Individuals will receive hmm, a little... I'm doing that thing, you know, with my fingers that signifies money, but it doesn't make any noise. Uh, we'll receive a little something extra to keep the warp core lit. So we'd appreciate that. And tell them Captain Caliban sent you. And in addition to the people I mentioned previously, we've got an amazing list of guests lined up for future shows this year. We have writers and creators and professionals of all stripes here to talk about some of your favorite episodes of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and so on. Guests like Keith DeCandido, author of over 50 tie-in novels and Trek-lit universe stalwart, 
He dropped by to talk Tacking Into the Wind, his favorite episode of DS9. John and Maria Tenuto, who you can see right now in the Netflix docuseries The Toys That Made Us. John and Mary Jo are sociology professors who have studied Trek and the Roddenberry archives extensively, and they'll share their expertise on the episode Space Seed with us. And Andy Weir, the author of The Martian, will be on the show to talk about one of my favorite episodes of the original series and his, Balance of Terror. Plus, many, many more guests and surprises and dumb jokes for sure. So stay tuned for all of that in the year to come. We're back again this Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time for the return of our Discovery recap show, Discoverage, right after Star Trek Discovery ends on CBS All Access. The episode this week is Despite Yourself. I don't know what you did, but it's it's Despite Yourself, and it's going to be a great show. I'll be joined by co-host Ella Pearson of the Generations Geek podcast and Andrew Troth, who is an actor and comic store owner and longtime Trek fan. Tune in to listen to us live, and if you do, tweet at us using the hashtag Discoverage, or you can join us in our chat room on our Spreaker page. If you can't wait until Sunday or you're still binging Discovery on your free CBS All Access trial, all of our Discovery shows are available still in our feed or at enterprisingindividuals.com, including our Discovery episode of the midseason finale, Into the Forest I Go, where Ella and I are joined by the hilarious comedian Asterios Kokonos, and he and I have a nerd off about all kinds of things, including Quantum Leap for some reason. <laughs> so check that out. And that's it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an Apple Podcast listener and you haven't yet, why not look us up on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Also, write a little review, please, please, if the spirit moves you. It's so important that we get feedback from the fans and leaving a short review, even good, like it, you know, whatever the two-word equivalent of a th- of thumbs up is. Uh, I don't know what that would be, but anything like that would be great. Uh, Give us a rating at the very least. Um, We'd appreciate it. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get the show from. And if you leave positive comments and high ratings on those platforms as well, we'd be eternally grateful. And the first duty of every enterprising individual's fan is to tell a friend. If you like the show in a scientific way or a historical way or a personal way, uh, let someone know. Next time on Enterprising Individuals, getting old is hard. Whether you're a person, a podcast, or a TV show in the 60s, Star Trek's often maligned third season is a mishmash of great concepts and bungled execution, some of which can be laid at the feet of network interference, and some of which, well, (laughs) a lot of it is the empath, really. It's hard to have a third season, as I'm quickly finding out, so let's start our third season on a strong note with comics artist Gordon Smooter as we look at one of the third season's best episodes, The Tholian Web, next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying, live long and prosper. And we're like, what's going on? This is Comedy Central. <laughs> <clears throat> Comedy Central is going. That's not. I don't have a pendulette.